Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here is your host, John Inglesby. Voice of America listeners, welcome to my 463rd ever show of all around sports. We're each Monday at noon Eastern time. We broadcast live from Florida to go all around the world of sports for one hour, to discuss what happened last week and what's ahead for this week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we'll be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And as you would expect, A.P. is in, in Indianapolis and will be calling in live from the site of tonight's college football playoff national championship game between Alabama and Georgia. Well, my highlight of the week is the Pittsburgh Steelers pulling out an overtime win over their arch-rival Ravens to seemingly make the playoffs. Uh, As the rest of the day went down, they were playing the 1 o'clock game. But then the Steelers had to sweat it out uh, on Sunday night, uh, last night, uh, until basically around midnight when the Raiders and Chargers actually looked like they were going to do the impossible, which was to tie, which would have kept both of those teams in Raiders and Chargers would have made the playoffs and the Steelers would have been out so it was a crazy day and an even crazier evening uh what a game last night as uh the Raiders and Chargers went back and forth and the Chargers were down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and Justin Herbert their quarterback converted six repeat six first downs, uh, fourth downs for first downs, uh, and what just seemed impossible. I think it hasn't been done in a couple of decades in the NFL. And they tied it at the end of regulation. And then they, uh, uh, and then they got to the overtime and it seemed like the Raiders simply might run the ball and in effect kneel on it or just, play very conservatively, take the tie. They're in the playoffs. Their opponent from last night is in the playoffs, and there's no risk. But instead, they did the NFL proud in all of the football world by uh, by kicking a field goal to win the game, which put the Steelers in the playoffs, knocked the Chargers out of the playoffs. And uh, Al Michaels and Chris Collingsworth were saying, you know, just kicking a field goal was taking a risk. They threw some passes on that final drive, which is also taking a risk. They could have just sat on it, and again, they're in the playoffs. Um, so it was just for Steeler fans like myself. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania. It was uh, as crazy a finish as we've ever seen, and. Uh, because after the Steelers beat the Ravens, 
all the talk was the Steelers. That's it. The Steelers are in the playoffs because nobody could even imagine that they were going to tie. There's only been one tie in the NFL this week, this year, and it was the Steelers, of course, uh, and the Lions of all teams. Uh, and here they were looking squarely at the second tie of the year in what seemed like an impossible scenario. So quite a night, quite a day. Uh, but back to the Steelers. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, again, we had, he had the big home, last home game send-off, and, and that is the send-off. They're not hosting any games in the playoffs. But then it was so fitting that he goes to Baltimore. Again, the arch of arch rivals, they play the best games. Yeah, you're in, you're out in the NFL, and they did it again yesterday. Uh, the passion of those games, the chippiness, uh, the uh, viciousness, for lack of a better word, of those games is just unlike any other uh, rivalry in the NFL. It just is insane. And uh, so, yeah, everybody went through the day, myself included, just saying, like, okay, the Steelers are in. Great victory. And then all of a sudden we got to Sunday night and it wasn't looking so short around 11.30 midnight last night. Um, and they were showing Steeler fans in the stands uh, in Las Vegas. So pretty wild. Uh, and j- the looks on their faces were just priceless as they couldn't believe what they were witnessing. Um, so Ben, back to Ben. He has not played his last game. Uh because he's playing in the playoffs uh, on Sunday night at 8 o'clock against the Kansas City Chiefs, who trounced the Steelers a couple weeks ago like by like 30, 40 points. So it's, but it doesn't matter to the playoffs or the playoffs, and they're in, and we'll just see what happens out in Kansas City. They're already, uh, it feels like they're just getting an extra week and really quite the accomplishment to make the playoffs for this team. Um, but Ben made... As he has done, it's like they don't wake up till the fourth quarter, and uh, and and then they just really put together. You know, it looks like the old Ben in the fourth quarter of so many games this year. It's incredible, and he did it again yesterday, making an unbelievably clutch throws, including what was the play of the year for them? A fourth and eight from around midfield in overtime. Uh, they don't make it. Basically, Justin Herbert uh, kicks a field goal for the Ravens, and they win. Um, And thereby knocking the Steelers out. And the Ravens were still alive for a playoff spot. They needed a lot of things to happen. Um, So it was just an unbelievable call. I I wondered about it at first, because fourth and eight in overtime is just, with clearly a few minutes left, enough time for the Ravens to get down the field. They didn't have to go far <laughs> if they wouldn't. If the Steelers wouldn't have converted it, and uh, afterwards, you know, the announcers just put it in context by saying, you know, the Steelers recognized that the the game ending in a tie didn't knock, in effect, knock them out of the playoffs. So they felt they had to go for it. Um, just that simple. So they did, and they got it, and it was just. Uh, just tremendous game, to say the least. And all this occurred thanks to my bizarre story of the week, which is as the Colts, Indianapolis Colts, not only losing to the Jags, but getting manhandled by the worst team in the league. And that knocked the 
the Colts out. I mean, all week long, as we all know, the, the Colts had to beat the Jaguars to get the playoff spot, which would have rendered the Steelers-Ravens game completely meaningless. And so all Steeler fans, like myself, couldn't believe what we were seeing. It was an early lead, 16-3 to for the Jags, and it was just incredible. The Colts have looked good. Recently, they did lose to the Raiders last week, but they, of course, they beat the beat up on the Patriots, a playoff team, a couple few Saturday nights ago, and they have Jonathan Taylor, best running back in the league, and you just thought they're just going to roll over the Jaguars, and that's it, and the Steelers, uh, Steelers and Ravens will be done. Didn't turn out that way, and it's just amazing. This is to me what makes the NFL great. Every single year, at the end of the year. It seems like there is a slam dunk game for a team to make the playoffs or maybe increase their uh, their seeding, you know, home field buys, whatever, whatever it is, and they lose to a much, much lesser team, typically one of the worst teams in the league, and you just shake your head and say, how can that happen? And trust me, everybody in Indianapolis is surely shaking their head. Uh, to, <laughs> yesterday and today, uh, at least they got the uh, college football playoff to distract them for for the day because it's being played in Indianapolis. But again, that's the very uh, fabric of the NFL that this just seemingly happens every single year, and you, it's just impossible to believe. But yet it happens. Um, so. My low light of the week is the New England Patriots getting whipped again in Miami, which finally answers the question, I think, that the Patriots cursed down in Miami and even to a degree in Foxborough, uh, but the Patriots cursed in Miami over the past 20 years plus. Uh, was it a Brady problem or a Patriots problem? And I think yesterday finally answered it's a Patriots problem, not a Brady problem. And... Uh, so they didn't look good at all, but yet they're in the playoffs. They had it wrapped up before the game yesterday. The Dolphins also were out of the playoffs before the game. And uh, again, just speaking to my earlier point, they, uh, you know, the Dolphins came to play and treated it like it was a game, even though it was meaningless as far as making the playoffs. And uh, so Patriots are in. And they play on uh, Saturday in the playoffs at 8.15 p.m., going back to Buffalo. And I did hear a little something. There may be more weather coming in, so maybe we'll have a repeat of the famous game of just a few weeks ago when the Patriots threw, I think, three, four, five passes and beat the Bills up in Buffalo. Of course, the Bills beat the Patriots down in Foxborough just a couple weeks ago. And so... Uh, I don't think anybody in New England is overly thrilled about playing the Bills again, but we shall see. We know that the Bill Patriots can go into Buffalo and win, period. Um, and speaking of the Dolphins, just going back of what I just talked about with the Dolphins beating the Patriots, shocking news this morning where the Dolphins fired Brian Flores, former coordinator for the Patriots, uh, and this is Black Monday, so the Broncos have fired Big Fangio as their coach. The uh, who else do we got? Oh, the Vikings 
fired uh, Mike Zimmer as their coach, and no surprise at all as uh, the Bears fired Matt Nagy as their coach and also their GM. Um, so Black Monday has arrived, and it's always, always uh, shocking. So the playoffs, again, I'm down here in the Tampa Bay area. The, the Bucks are hosting the Eagles Sunday at 1 p.m. Should be a good game right here in Tampa. And Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo did Tom Brady a solid by leading the 49ers to an amazing comeback overtime victory over the Rams yesterday. They were down 17 nothing at halftime, and they came back to win that game. And Jimmy G, was a, in my mind, it was his career moment. Uh, where he has a thumb injury, and he overcame that to lead them to victory. And everybody in New England, myself included, as a Patriots season ticket holder, loves Jimmy Garoppolo. They just do. And, uh, and so... That put the Rams into the number four seed. More importantly, it gave the made the Bucks the number two seed, which means that they beat the Eagles. They are hosting another playoff game down here in Tampa, uh, and you can't ask for anything more. So uh, you can't make this stuff up. Jimmy Garoppolo does Tom Brady a huge favor, <laughs> and everybody down here is very excited at the prospect of uh, now hosting two playoff games. We all remember they were on the road for all their playoff games last year uh, as they rolled to the Super Bowl, except for, of course, the Super Bowl, which was in Tampa, the first ever team to play a Super Bowl in their home stadium, and obviously they won it. So now let's take our break, and next up we will discuss tonight's college football playoff with our call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, so don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. 
or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing very well, John. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, our pleasure as always, and I mistakenly said that you were in Indianapolis, but you were, in fact, covering the game from the great state of Alabama as the Crimson Tide go for their seventh national championship under Saban. Is that correct? That's correct. It's eighth one overall. That's right. Counting the one he won at LSU. Is that right? Yes, yes, that's correct, John. Okay, when he won his sixth sixth at Alabama, of course, this past season, uh, that tied Bear Bryant. So is, is that correct? And is he looking to break that record tonight? That's, yes. Yeah, yes, he tied Coach Bryant with the sixth at Alabama. If he has this would be the seventh be record-breaking. But, yes, so yeah, I'm, I'm here in the state of Alabama. We're can actually cover the interviews and everything virtually, John, even if you're at this stadium. So I was able to speak to Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and some of the players uh, virtually in the last few days, actually. Right. And, of course, you were at the Alabama game when they beat Cincinnati in Dallas, correct? Yes, I sure was. I was in Dallas, Texas for that Cotton Bowl. Right, right. Which is why I made the assumption you were out in Indy, but you're, of course, covering the game. Uh down in Alabama, which is a great place to be. AP, I have to say, I mean, Nick Saban, you know, uh, having the opportunity to <coughs> pass Bear Bryant in number of national championships, that is a massive storyline and tremendous incentive for the Tide, I think. Uh, well, for him personally, he, he doesn't think about those things till mm-hmm. well after the game and the players that Probably some of them, I don't even know, know if they're aware, but it is a, a, a quite a feat. It's a tremendous accomplishment uh, in the history of college football, not just at Alabama or the SEC or just oh, yes. most recently. It, it stands up uh, over time. So then let me ask the obvious question. If he wins tonight, he would then have eight. He currently has seven, Coach Saban. Would that be the most national championships ever by one coach? I assume it would be. Yes, yes. I mean, if he's able to get eight and he stays around for all five, six more years, I mean, you're looking at the possibility of 10. I mean, like, I think that's right. John Wooden number, right? The 10. Right. Double figures, yes. That puts him in John Wooden territory. Excellent, excellent comparison. Um, so, AP, you've been... Uh, all over the coaches, press conferences, and the like uh, here in the past few days. Uh, what are you hearing? What's catching your attention? Well, I think that uh, when you listen to Georgia, I mean, they try to do all the things very similar to Alabama, and they've had that stellar defense all season except for the game against um, Alabama when they surrendered 41 points, uh, six of those points or seven if you count it, was a, was a pick six. 
So I'm thinking, John, that when I heard Kirby Smart yesterday in the press conference, he was mentioning if you let Alabama do one thing, they could destroy you because they'll try to do something else. If you try to stack up against their running game, then they're going to throw the football and vice versa. But, but John, if, if you played two games against the team and the score has been 41-24 two years in a row, I'm thinking you have to come up with a completely different strategy. Correct. For a game plan. And what, what I've suggested numerous times on TV and radio here in Alabama, and then I'll continue to say it today in a few more, I think I have three more radio shows to do. If I was Georgia, I would make Brian Robinson Jr., the running back at Alabama, star of the game. I would surrender 150 yards to him, be in coverage most of the time, if not all the time, keep those passes short, be excellent in your tackling, get the football down to the red zone, which is 20 yards from the goal line. That means you'll, you'll defend the 20 yards plus the 10 yards, 30 yards against Alabama's speed and just do a very good job on the perimeter and keeping them out of the end zone, stopping them on third down. If you can hold them to two field goals, that would be eight points in your favor. It would be six points instead of 14. You cut down on your interceptions, which were critical last time. Uh, uh, Stetson Bennett, the fourth, has thrown five TD passes against Alabama, John. Five in two games. That's a pretty good number. But he's also yes, thrown five interceptions. And, th- and then one was a pick six, and one was in the red zone in the last game. That's two critical errors. If you throw an interception in the middle of the field, or definitely not in the last possession you're trying to win the ball game, I think you can survive. But a pick six, and when you're in the red zone and throw an interception, those are very costly uh, oh, yes. in the scheme of things. So, But my, my strategy, you know, I've got to change. I can't try to beat Alabama at their own game. I have similar type athletes. I have zero sacks against an Alabama offensive line that surrendered, I think, something like 37 sacks, you had zero, Chad, I think you have to go back a year or two, the last time Georgia didn't have a sack, zero turnovers. So I'm going to play coverage because they had two people on Jameson Williams last game, some of those touchdown plays, they couldn't guard uh, John mentioned the third had almost 100 yards receiving by, by halftime, and then he was injured. And then uh, I think collectively they ended up with, I think, three, four touchdowns and 281 yards in reception. So I'm not playing that game if I'm trying to cover your best receiver down the field with two, two defenders. I'm keeping everybody in front, a lot of coverage. I'm having six defensive backs minimum in the game, seven at times, maybe even eight on some, on some plays if, if it needs to be. But I'm making Bryce Young, he's very smart. He's going to take that short pass. I'm going to tackle that player, make them move down the field. Alabama has a tendency to make mistakes, you know, offside, illegal formation, uh, other other penalties that can slow them down, and I'm going to try to see if I can get him into the red zone and play excellent defense. I think that's a great strategy, AP. I mean, uh, you know, you, you got to do something different. I mean, I, I think Kirby Smart is winless against Alabama. I think 0-7 or something along those lines. And, oh, uh, oh, 0-4, John. 0-4. Okay, okay. And yeah. Yeah. You know, to me, yeah, you just got to do something different. Uh, 
Alabama, you know, despite Florida's uh, Alabama beat, beat them in the SEC championship game, beat Georgia, as we know, a couple weeks back. And uh, so, yeah, you, you just have to change it up. Georgia's had some good games against them. They've been close, uh, but they just haven't double broken digit through. Leads, John. Yeah, double-digit uh, leads, John, in three of those four games. Correct. So something's not working. I don't know if it's, you know, if Alabama's in their head. Um, but to me, the key to the game, in addition to what you said about stopping Alabama's offense, letting them run, but don't letting, don't let them kill you with the pass. Uh, you, you know, what everybody's talking about is Stetson Bennett, the quarterback for Georgia. Can he, is Alabama in his head and can he basically lead Georgia to a victory over Alabama? That to me is the big question, along with your points about, the defense, the great, great Georgia defense, at least throughout the regular season, can they just stop Alabama? Uh, you know, f- f- especially their passing game. But, yeah, Stetson Bennett, so to me, he's the big question here. Yeah, John, I mean, he's had some good games against Alabama, thrown for two, 300 yards, like I say, five touchdowns with those interceptions, three the first game through the last game has really hindered their chances. But right. I'm thinking, I hear all these pundits on TV and said, oh, you've got to pressure Bryce Young and you, you, you've got to stop Jamison Williams. Yeah, that's easier said than done. I don't believe you, you play your normal defense and you stop Jamison. Nobody stopped him. He's averaging about, I think it's, it was 21 yards a catch, John, for the season. Think about that. That's 21 amazing. yards a catch. And, it, <laughs> and, you know, 1,500 yards, he's got like 15 or 17 touchdowns a couple kickoff returns among those touchdowns. You just can't line up and say, I'm going to play my normal defense. I'm going to play better. I'm going to do better. I don't think that's the way. I mean, if you recall, John, the Buffalo Bills uh, were playing the New York Giants, and they had that high-powered offense, Jim Kelly. Yeah, the um, K-Gun. The rec- the rec- yeah, the receiver, um, Andre Reid and, and Thurman Thomas. I mean, they were unstoppable. They had 50 points, and I think against the Raiders in the playoff game and some other big numbers. So what did the giant, New York Giants do under Bill Belichick? He was the defensive coordinator. Sure. He said, all right, we moment. want to make Thurman Thomas the star. We want to make Thurman Thomas. He needs to get 100, over 100 yards against us. That way we know they're running the clock. They're giving the ball to him. We'll tackle him down the field. It won't have those explosive touchdowns against us. We'll play tight defense as they approach the goal line. The score ended up being 20 to 19. Buffalo had it, still had a chance at the end, and yep. they missed the field goal. But why should I let Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, continue to, to air it out against me? When I say air it out, I mean the explosive plays, not the, the seven, eight yard passes that you're trying to, when you're trying to play that defense where you're keeping the receivers in front of you with a lot of coverage, and you're forcing Bryce Young to. You know, he's very smart. He's going to read the defense and say, all right, we're not open deep. We can't make that throw. It's too many people. We're going to throw underneath. I mean, that, that's what I want to make him do, throw to the tight ends, and let's see if we can play defense near the goal line. I think, and if they don't, then they don't have a chance. But if the other way, you know they don't have a chance because they give up 41 points twice. Exactly, yeah. they got to just stop the big play passing uh, and just, you know, just stop it, period, uh, to do that. And interesting you would mention that Bills game. That That is easily Bill Belichick's greatest moment as an assistant coach who was masterful. 
Uh, and who will ever forget that game? And Scott Norwood missed the kick, uh, and the Giants were champions. So uh, just amazing. And, yeah, so Georgia just needs to do something like that tonight. Uh, but, AP, hard to believe we're here at the end of our – first segment together so why don't we take a break now and still a lot more to get to on the other side voice america is on your favorite smart speaker if you have alexa or google home go ahead and give us a try hey alexa play finding your frequency podcast on TuneIn. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to all around sports with your host john inglesby become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net now back to the show first america listeners welcome back to segment three of all around sports and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And we are, of course, discussing tonight's College Football Playoff National Championship in Indianapolis featuring Alabama versus Georgia. AP should be a good one. Um, Two SEC rivals and, oh, by the way, another just fabulous uh, night for the SEC to have both teams in the National Championship. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be fun. You you know, Alabama is, uh, they've had Georgia's number, shall we say. And uh, so it should be great. And uh, all looking forward to it. You're all over it, of course. And uh, we, we talked about a previous segment. So let's just talk about a little bit, a little bit more. There's endless, endless material and content to discuss. Yeah, yeah John, I just wanted to uh, tell you a few other strategies for both teams. Okay. I think that Georgia, one of the running backs is Cook and 
Zamir White. Uh, I believe you can have them come out of the backfield against Alabama's linebackers in some of those wheel routes or, or other flare-type patterns, and that's a good matchup for Georgia. And, of course, their tight ends. They have three very, very good tight ends, John. Um, uh, they're 6'4", 6'7", 6'7". Bauer is the All-American freshman from Napa Valley that Georgia records with receptions and 12 touchdowns. Had 10 catches against Alabama, 139 yards, I think, for one touchdown. Then the other tight end, 6'7", Orlando, Washington, they was, uh, had the touchdown against Alabama. And as Nick Saban explained to me prior to the SEC championship, it's like a point guard in basketball trying to defend a power forward. The tight ends have the advantage. And then Fitzpatrick is the other tight end, 6'7". So I think that those are some of the advantages on offense for uh, Georgia. And then Stetson Bennett, the fourth, he's a good athlete, John. He's run by a lot of people uh, right. this year in the SEC. You look at him and you're thinking he can't fake yardage by getting by these uh, defensive ends or linebackers, but he's shown otherwise. And, and then um, conversely, you look at Alabama, and like I said, Bryce Young is a Heisman Trophy quarterback for a reason. He's exceptional in the pocket. He, he does well scrambling. He can make yardage and extend plays with his legs, and his eyes are always focused forward, and, and he can uh, do damage a number of ways for you. So continue to block well for him, get it to Jamison Williams. But they also have two tight ends that are very good. Uh, Jaleel Billingsley, who returned punts for Alabama at one time, if you could think about that, John, there not many schools have a tight end returning, returning uh, punts, um, and, uh, returning punts. And then also, if you look at um, um, uh, the other uh, tight end is Cameron Latou. And he's about 6'5", and in the spring game, he had a 60-yard touchdown where he ran by all the defensive backs. Uh, also, Alabama's got a young receiver, Ja'Cory Brooks. He saw his skills on display against Auburn, caught that touchdown over his shoulder in the corner. He got tied the game. He, he's very good, one of those South Florida receivers. Um, and then Brian Robinson, Jr. is an excellent runner. But Alabama tonight, uh, John, two offensive linemen got hurt in the previous game. Emil Ikior Jr., he's actually from Indianapolis, John, believe it or not. He's a guard. And then uh, Chris Owens from Arlington, Texas, is the the right tackle. I think they're both going to play tonight, but we shall see. If not, they went with J.C. Latham, a a freshman uh, offensive tackle. They played him at guard. He's a five-star player. And then they they put in uh, Amari Kite, who's like a redshirt sophomore, 6'7", out of a school near Birmingham. So, and then I heard Georgia has a cornerback coming back who didn't play in the first game, which could be of help to them. Obviously, you need all your defensive backs when you're facing Alabama. And also an offensive lineman who will be good against the pass rush. You know, Will Anderson, Jr., done th- I think it's 33 tackles for loss, John. 33 just by himself. That's more than most teams. That's amazing. He has it all by himself, 33 for loss. And then he has... Uh, 17 and a half sacks. And, John, just to put that in perspective, Derek Thomas had 18 as a junior. And I always tell this story because it's phenomenal because people are complaining when they're a senior or a junior that they're being double and triple teamed. The next year he had 27. Okay? So right. this is Will Anderson Jr. in Derek Thomas territory at 17 and a half. He probably should break that, that second place record or the second place mark of 
18 uh, in tonight's ball game, I would suspect. So they have to block Will Anderson Jr., one of the award winners defensively. He run the he, he uh, won the Nagurski Award. On the other side, you have Davis, the big defensive lineman, number 99, won the Nagurski Award, and you have Nicobe Dean won the Butkus. Those two players for Georgia, they have got to make some plays tonight. If you watch that first game, Davis, the big lineman, he could not rush the passer, passer uh, midway through the ball game. He was worn out and tired. Alabama tried to run the hurry-up offense to the line of scrimmage, but they didn't call the play. But they made it where Georgia could not substitute, which was smart. So they really got those defenders uh, exhausted, and that was a, a strategy. I'm sure they'll try to, try to employ that tonight. But if I'm Georgia, I have three guys ready. I'm just going to run them on the field. And right. Hopefully the official will hold, hold, up, hold it up for me so I can get three more defensive linemen. I'm going to be one step ahead of Alabama by substituting uh, you know, in groups. Sure. Well, it's going to be, uh, you know, just a great game, no doubt about it. I mean, they're evenly matched, and they play great games. I mean, I can't stress enough, AP, that, you know, despite the fact that Alabama has, as I said earlier, has had Georgia's number, Kirby Smart's winless in four attempts to beat his former uh, mentor, Kirby Smart, of course, was on the Alabama staff, and uh, so and they play great games. We all remember the famous Tua overtime game to instantly win uh, the walk-off national championship, and uh, and they've had other great games. Um, so it's going to be good. I mean, that, that that to me is the best thing about tonight. Like I, I just feel like uh, you know, it's going to be a good game. Period. It's going to be competitive. That's what we want. Uh, this year's semifinals were not, um, and so everybody's hoping that tonight will be, and I have every reason to believe it will be. I, 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 do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, John, they have similar type athletes. They're five-star, four-star athletes. They're recruiting the same people most of the time. Alabama's had better overall quarterback play at some point. One of the quarterbacks, in other words, when Jalen Hurts wasn't playing well, the Tua came in as a freshman and and had a good second half to win the championship. And then when Phil was injured, Jalen Hurts came in on a come-from-behind victory where Georgia tried to run a fourth down play in the middle of the field with a tie ball game. And I still don't understand that call, even though uh, Kirby mentioned that they ran that play every day at practice, but they didn't snap the ball quick enough. And Justin Fields, oh, by the way, was the quarterback making that fourth down uh, trick play on the punt. But it was fourth and 11, John, not fourth and one or two, but fourth and 11. So, that, that, I don't know why Kirby decided in the middle of the field when their ball game's tied and Alabama had Jalen Hurts in there and they could have went to overtime, but he made that decision. But it, as you said, similar type athletes, Alabama's quarterbacks have, have played better. That's been the difference, I think. Um, you know, defensively, they're both hard-hitting, but uh, Alabama was able to crack their, their defensive schemes and, block well enough for their quarterbacks to win the ball game. And then the kicking game, John, just to mention, uh, I asked both coaches on Sunday about the, the special teams, and Kirby Smart mentioned the fact that, well, they have Jamison Williams on the special teams. You know, they're, they're the All-American receiver. He's on special teams trying to make a tackle on the punt coverage or whatever it may be, and, and George is the same way. They employ that same type of strategy, putting their top people on the special teams. The kicker's about the same. I think they both missed about four or five field goals 
this year. Uh, so, and it, but if it, but John, one team could have a kicker who hasn't done well all season. But all that matters is this night. What do you do on in this game this night? That's all that's, that's going to be in the record book. That's it. Absolutely, AP. Well said. Uh, Coach Saban would like that approach, as uh, which he shares, of course, with Belichick. And uh, it is. It's really that simple. Uh, it's all about you know how you play in the one game. Just exactly hearkening back to your earlier comments about the New York Giants beating the unstoppable Buffalo Bills in the K Gun offense uh, back in the. 91, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, yeah, yeah. anything can happen in one game, as we saw uh, over the weekend, as always, you know, in the NFL. Uh, The Jaguars beating the Colts, need I say more, (laughs) Um, to to end their playoff hopes. Uh, You can't make this stuff up. You just can't. No, no, that was incredible. I mean, the championship game is being played in Indianapolis tonight. And, John. Stetson Bennett the fourth had a career high three hundred and forty passes, three touchdowns, and two interceptions against Alabama. So he's a capable player. And uh, you know, like they just cut down on the you know, even if you have just one interception in the middle of the field, I think they can withstand that. But just cut down on the, the pick six and or the, and near the goal line during the interception. I mean Georgia can, can score enough points to win this game. What is their defensive plan? Are you gonna be an original? Or are you gonna just gonna say, look, we copied Alabama. I came over here. I learned all this from Nick Saban through the years as his defensive back, the cornerback safety coach at LSU in Miami, and then uh, for a year year or two there, and then defensive coordinator for a number of years at Alabama, won some championships. I'm going to copycat him, and I'm just going to hope that our players do better this time. And they, it, it, Kirby spoke about the um, eye discipline. There was an issue in, in the Alabama game. This was before the Michigan game. I heard him in a press conference where I was uh, covering but I'm thinking you have to be more original in, in your approach and give right. your team the best chance to win. I just think trying to do the same thing over again and hoping that they improved and we coached them better, I, 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 would, I would feel really bad if that was his game plan for tonight. Yep, I agree. And we know we all know the line about doing the same thing over and over again. What that means? <laughs> it's called insanity. Right, right. Uh, and expect and expecting right, a different yeah. result. Yeah, and expecting right, a different yeah. result. That's the key. Uh, well, AP, we're at the end of our second segment together. Why don't we take a our last break? And so a few more things to get to on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Listen for Go to Health Radio, featuring host Jonathan Marks and health experts from around the world who bring evidence-based education from Western, alternative, and holistic practices. We bring together you, seeking relevant and proven information for your healthcare needs and reputable healthcare experts and companies who offer quality education for your benefit. Monthly, we also share continuing education for medical professionals. Listen live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. 
Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And my pick of the week for appointment viewing is, of course, tonight's college football playoff national championship game between Alabama and Georgia on ESPN at 8 p.m. And A.P., after your fabulous analysis in the previous two segments of the game, I'm uh, even more excited to watch tonight's game because you broke it down beautifully, and uh, it sure is going to be fun. I'm actually looking right now at ESPN and Coach Saban and Coach Nick Saban and Coach Kirby Smart are side by side uh, talking about the game. So it's going to be great. But not the only news of the day uh, in the world of college football, where later today. They're going to announce, the National Football Foundation will announce the newest Hall of Fame uh, players, which is always something uh, that we enjoy, both when, they're nom- when the nominees are put out and the players are finally announced, and that happens today. Yeah, John, that's always one of our favorite segments to discuss those candidates and the nominees and the eventual selection to be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame that will be later on today. And- I noticed that Alabama has two players, uh, Sylvester Croom, he was a, a center, a captain of the team. Um, he's one of the player, players. And then also uh, Joan Alexander, an outstanding running back. Um, 1999 was his uh, last season, Sylvester Croom's last season, 1974. And uh, so I, have a, I think that one of those players might have their name called later today another reason for Alabama fans to be excited they could have uh, uh, one if not two uh, players in the National Football Foundation College Football Hall of Fame and AP it's always fun to look at this list it just runs the gamut with so many names as I always say it's just a fabulous trip down memory lane and it ranges from Troy Vincent the spectacular Defensive back at Wisconsin to LeVar Arrington, the great linebacker from Penn State. See where Andrew Luck, legendary quarterback from Stanford, 
is on there. And it just, again, uh, Craig Hayward, running back from Pittsburgh, uh, you know, and his legacy lives on as we watched uh, Cameron Hayward and the, the star defensive lineman from the Steelers again show up yesterday for the biggest game of the year that helped the Steelers get in the playoffs. He, of course, made plays like he always does. And uh, Kevin Falk, LSU running back, uh, of course, watched him up and uh, playing for the Patriots uh, countless times at Gillette Stadium and the old Sullivan Stadium, I think, even. Um, Mark Bavaro, Notre Dame tight end. Uh, it just goes on and on always. And, of course, the two you mentioned, Sean Alexander and Sylvester Croom. So that'll be a big announcement on the day of the College Football National Championship AP. Right, and there'll be some coaches in there and some lower-level FBS players and I think Division yep. Three as well. So we'll, we'll see what happens. It'll be, it's always interesting. It's a very difficult vote, as, we, as we've said many, many times. No doubt about it, AP. And, uh, yeah, I'm just looking at some of the uh, coaches, too. Again, long list, tough to go through them all. Uh, but, AP, as we get towards the end of the show, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on yesterday's season finale, the first ever 17-game schedule. And uh, it went down to midnight last night and what many are calling – the game of the year, as in the best game of the year occurred in the last game of the year. And I'm talking, of course, about the Chargers and the Raiders. It was absolutely spectacular. Justin Herbert is, frankly, otherworldly, even though they lost the game. Um, so, yeah, what are your thoughts on now that the playoff field is set? Well, John, the NFL uh, people have to be happy because there was a lot of high drama unscripted yep. drama as we like to say and it went down to the last week of the season and here you had a team like the Colts as we mentioned before playing the Jaguars who've been as coach fired and all kind of disarray with that program and they ended up beating the Colts and knocking them out of their uh, playoff chances and um, you know you had the Pittsburgh Steelers hoping that the Chargers and the Raiders would not tie Right. And it almost came down to a tie. Two, right, it came within two seconds yeah. of it happening, AP. Two yeah. seconds. Right. You right. can't I make mean, this stuff up. Incredible. I mean, no, I mean, the people in Pittsburgh, they had to be wondering, you, you know, they had to be thinking to themselves, I can't believe that they might tie this game and knock well, us AP, out of the, the um, plus chances. You, you just spoke to me perfectly because I was sitting there with about five minutes to go in regulation as Justin Herbert was converting six fourth downs. Uh, unheard of. First time in decades anybody's done that. Uh, coming back from two <laughs> touchdowns down, and I was like, that's when the thoughts started to creep into my head as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, like, oh, my gosh, this is setting <laughs> up. The minute they went for two, and made it, the Chargers, in the fourth quarter, and it was 29-22, and Herbert was simply unstoppable. What else can you say? And that's when right. I started thinking, oh, my gosh, and yeah, this is setting up for a potential overtime and a tie. Oh, by the way, a big topic conversation is, uh, you know, the, the Chargers coach, uh, Brandon Staley, I think it is, you know, he, he, go, he went for fourth down from like the 20-yard line last night. Um, you know, <laughs> he goes for it all the time. And 
so I thought, and of course was discussed post game. I thought, you know, when they got their final touchdown to draw within one point, I thought this guy's going to go for two. I really thought that, you know, he's been doing it all mm-hmm. year. He's there was one game where I think he mm-hmm. went for two, like four or five times, went for a bunch of fourth downs, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. And of course, he's he's taking a little heat today for that. I mean, um, you know, it was all there. They talked about how gassed the Oakland defense, Oakland, <laughs> sorry, Las Vegas <laughs> Raiders defense. <laughs> I'm sure I'll soon, before the show ends, I'll call them Chargers San Diego too. Um, but anyway, how gassed they were and, you know, from trying to defend Herbert throughout the fourth quarter, but, you know, and they probably would have made the two and won the game. Um, but it's hindsight. He, you know, I can't imagine if he'd have gone for two and not made it the amount of criticism heaped on him. But it's a it's a topic. Yeah. It's a you know, quick take, hot take, so yeah. to speak. But yeah. Yes, yes. Good stuff. I mean, it, it was electric. Again, the the last you know, the overtime and the last five minutes of that game were incredible and Steeler fans everywhere were squirming as midnight approached, none more than me. And there they were. The Raiders just sort of, you know, matriculated the ball down the field, mostly running, but some passing, taking many more chances than they had to, it seemed. And lo and behold, there they were sitting uh, for 46 yards or their field goal or thereabouts with two seconds to go. And they, they could have just sat on it. I mean, there's a risk taking a field goal. Callingsworth, Callingsworth and Al Michaels were talking about it. But, you know, oh, yeah. they, did, they served the NFL well by winning that game and going for it <laughs> and, and risking their right. chances. They really did. I'm sure Roger Goodell right. is smiling sure. broadly today with how what Oakland did last <laughs> night. They, they could have just laid down. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it turned out to be quite a week 17 or a game 17 week. Yes, it was just fabulous. And AP, Ben Roethlisberger's career continues. Uh, Tall order. They're heading to play the Chiefs, who just absolutely dismantled them a couple of weeks ago in Kansas City. But, you know, the Steelers are going to show up. We'll see. I mean, it's like pretty weird that possibly, you know, they're fine. They're, 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 the the best cause for Steeler fans to hope is that the Steelers were so embarrassed a couple weeks ago, and we all agree they're a proud franchise, and Roethlisberger's a proud yeah. player, as and Tom, a proud coach, all of it, it runs through their veins, and that's the large best hope you can have for them to go into Kansas City and win. They were so embarrassed, and they just play out of their mind. <laughs> but uh, I, I, anything's possible after what we saw yesterday, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, they get the ground game going with Najee Harris and keep yes. patching the holes and company on the sideline. They have a chance. Exactly right. And just to close out the show, AP, Najee's been fabulous. Uh, I picked him early in my fantasy, as in second round, <laughs> which a lot of people just said, you know, did say, taking a rookie in the second round. But you, you've, you made me a believer, AP, and it has paid off handsomely for me in my fantasy league this year. Uh, Najee is great, and he really needs to be great next week, this weekend, uh, Sunday night at 8.15. And he's very capable of being great. That's the best part of it all, AP. 
Oh, yeah, and John, just to, just to make, make mention, Jalen Waddle, 102 receptions, rookie record, Mac Jones record for the Patriots, touchdown passes, Najee Harris and Devontae Smith record yardage, and the rookie for the Philadelphia, because four Alabama offensive players in one year. I don't think that's ever happened for one university. I know, AP. I love it. I, I can't think of a better way to end the show than on that note, and thank you, as always, for calling in. My pleasure, John. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at noon Eastern time. Thanks again for tuning into All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 noon Eastern time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.